Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts, and the format is conversation. We're having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So subscribe today. Take 20 minutes and hear from people living in your community who are making a difference in your community. It's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Batalden, the Assistant Director here at Continuing Education Workforce Training. Paul, good to see you today. The sun shining. Good to see you today. Is the sun shining in your neighborhood? It is. Uh, You know, it's going to be 49 today. It's beautiful. It's spring-like. I heard birds chirping this morning. Uh, uh, No, no. No, I'm not there with you yet, Paul. Just okay. <laughs> um, so spring-like isn't until I don't see, you know, until all the snow is gone. Okay. Then it's, then it's spring-like. So. Right. Well, but, it's spring-like in Pocatello. Sorry, sorry you live in Idaho <laughs> Falls. <laughs> Man, sometimes it's a different planet up here, I'll be honest. Hey, we've got an exciting show today. Uh, we've got Ray Lynn on our show today. Oh, um, Ray Lynn. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and and Ray Lynn, um, the guest today is connected with your uh, event that you got coming up here. In uh, so please let let everyone know kind of what you've got going on. Yes, we have emergency medicine conference coming up April thirtieth and May first. This is an event that is coordinated between ISU, Continuing Education Workforce Training, and Portland Medical Center. We are so excited that they've come in again as our title sponsor and have allowed us to be able to um, really hold this conference. Um, We are able to hold the cost down because of this title sponsorship to a mere $20 per person, which is really a bargain for all that you're going to be able to get at the conference. We have are bringing in our keynote speaker is Eric Bauer. He's the CEO of Flightbridge, and we're excited to have him as well as many, many wonderful presenters from our hospitals around our region, um, even a, a a presenter coming from New York as well that's going to come and join us. So it's going to be a great conference, one that if you have anything to do with emergency medicine, you don't want to miss this conference. Excellent. And we're glad to be bringing it back too. So we're excited. Last year's conference got put on hold just like just about everything else on the planet. But uh, so this, we're excited for sure for this conference to come back to Pocatello this year. So that's great. Yes. Yes. Looking forward. Yes, you have a special guest on today. Do you want to introduce them for us? Yes, I would love to. We have Dr. Kevin O'Halloran here. Um, He is a traumatologist, actually an orthopedic traumatologist um, with Portneuf. And I'd like him to just kind of take over and uh, give his formal introduction. All right, sure. So thank you very much. Appreciate being here with you guys and being asked to, to be here on the podcast. So my name is Kevin O'Halloran. I am an orthopedic traumatologist. And what that means is a, a specialist in bone surgery, 
that also has subspecialty training in trauma. So that would be the, the very high energy injuries that unfortunately we see in folks with things like gunshot wounds, motor vehicle crashes, falls from a height. And, and so that is what my, my subspecialty consists of. And I, I am, I, I don't know if you want me to go into sort of origin or where I came from or any of that or you bet sure so I so I'm I'm 44 I was born and raised in Minneapolis Minnesota by a a single mom and my dad died when I was two and so my mom put up with me for a number of years before remarrying with my uh, stepdad and he helped put up with me and and they raised me and then uh, my mom and and stepdad had a couple of kids my my younger brother and sister and so that forms my family they're all in Minnesota unfortunately my stepfather had, had has passed away at 18, I joined the Army as an enlisted man, and I spent four years on active duty, stationed in El Paso, Texas at Fort Bliss and Fort Hood, Texas, and Camp Casey, South Korea. And after getting off active duty, I decided I want to go to college. And I'd always been a, a decent student in high school and, and wanted to do something a, a, a bit uh, with, a, with a social aspect in terms of helping people, but also with a, a science a science aspect, and that was medicine. So I, I, I found myself in the course of medicine, and I initially wanted to be a family practitioner. And when I was in medical school, I went to the University of Minnesota for undergraduate, and then I went to Georgetown Medical School in DC. And in my first year of medical school in DC, I found that I strongly disliked family medicine. So I was a bit confused as to where I was going to go. And I had been a mechanic in the army and I happened to do an away rotation in Nicaragua as a, a at a small hospital in a, in a, in a town outside of, of Managua, the capital. And I, when I was there, I saw an orthopedic surgeon putting a, a tibial nail into a, a gunshot victim's leg. And I thought that first of all, I was making sure that was actually a doctor because I had no idea what orthopedics was or, or especially orthopedic trauma and fell in love with that career field and pursued it from there on out. And I ended up going to the Bronx in New York for my residency and my fellowship was in in Baltimore at the Shock Trauma Center. Along the way, I met and married my wife and we have a 13-month-old and uh, we are happily settled here in Pocatello. We moved in July. We oh. moved from, from Florida where I'd worked for the previous four years at a level two trauma center there. I was the junior partner there and here I'm, well, here I'm the senior partner and the junior partner because I'm the only one. So I'm kind of both. <laughs> and and, the, and we're, we just bought a house and just moved into a house. And so we're, we're enjoying that. And we were talking before the show a bit about the, the idea of getting one or more dogs. So that's kind of where we're at. And we're building a trauma program in terms of orthopedic trauma at Portniff to mirror the already existing trauma program in terms of general surgery trauma that already existed. And it's been very successful so far. Very busy, but very successful. That's awesome. So PMC or Portneuf, they have a well-known trauma center. And so bringing you in as an orthopedic traumatologist, what has that meant for that program? Sure. So it's a, it's a great question. The, Orthopedists, so for the folks who've heard of orthopedists, these are are specialists in in bone surgery and the treatment of of disorders of the musculoskeletal system. All orthopedic surgeons go to medical school like all doctors, and then they go to residency where they become orthopedic surgeons. And then in the United States, about 90 plus percent of orthopedic surgeons subspecialize, and that's what's called a fellowship. So after your, your, your residency, you then proceed on to a fellowship, and those fellowships can vary from pediatric orthopedic surgery to spine orthopedic surgery to joint replacement to sports medicine, and, to, and, and that gamut includes also trauma. So there, starting somewhere in about the 1960s, 
orthopedic surgeons began to have a, a singular focus on trauma. This started in Switzerland and has advanced throughout the world of this idea that we can do better with fractures. And eventually that developed to the point where we now have a subspecialty field in orthopedics devoted just to fractures and high energy type trauma. So that was what really drew me and what I pursued and, and adding that to the orthopedic the orthopedic surgery community here in Pocatello basically fit that one piece of the puzzle that we were missing. We have great joint replacement surgeons. We have great spine surgeons. We have great, you know, just everyone, sports medicine folks, all these folks that take care of people and have been taking care of people here for years. The one thing we were lacking in the trauma center was having orthopedic trauma subspecialty. And I think that's what's, you know, we've been able to now keep patients here in town that have high energy injuries that otherwise would have ended up being transferred either up to Idaho Falls or usually down to Salt Lake City to the university. So this has been, that's been really the, the piece that sort of fit in the puzzle. And, uh, and, you know, to some extent, unfortunately, we've been busy because I say unfortunately, because usually when I meet people, it's, it's on a bad day uh, for them. And, and so it's, but, but we have been able to keep a lot of folks here that otherwise would have had to have traveled very long distances uh, for their care. And sometimes that can even be dangerous traveling uh, substantial distances to get care when you're in, in extremis or, or severely injured. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kind of back up for just a yes, question sir. because um, I, I want to talk uh, the word the word trauma um, in sure. the medical sense. So my background kind of comes from the psychological side, and you know that tr trauma refers to an event uh, from my perspective, right? Some sort of traumatic event. But when we use that, when you use that term in this context, especially in medical and treatment, is it does it does that term carry a different meaning than, than a, like an event? Is it, is it a extent of injuries kind of definition sure. or that kind of thing? It's a good question. There, there are, there are a number of different definitions of how we would describe trauma. There are certain criteria, for instance, for listing someone as a trauma patient mm -hmm. when they come to the ER for right. reasons for insurance and all of the things that oh, okay. doctors tend to hate. Cause we, I personally dislike insurance. I just kind of like to think about the medical aspect, but there's all, there are all sorts of underlying definitions. The, the way I like to think of it is, is a, a unforeseen negative event that results in some sort of tissue injury. And in my particular field, and almost always a fracture, sometimes a dislocation, which is where a joint moves. So I guess I have a more general or less sort of medicalese type definition of it. And, and that can really run the spectrum. You know, there are folks who just slip on the ice and, and, and twist an ankle playing basketball. That's a, and you, you fracture your ankle. That's a trauma all the way up to a semi cross on the midline and hitting a car, you know? And, and right. so it's sort of, there's a, there is a wide spectrum and that, that really the, the delineation of, of, of a, a, of how trauma is manifested and how it's treated would probably be more the gamut of the, the general trauma surgeons, you know, kind of Drew McRoberts and his team, because they're the ones who, who really are in charge of stabilizing these patients when they come. It, although traumatologist is in the name of my specialty, it, it really is, you know, I, I'm not the guy who's putting in chest tubes and resuscitating patients. I am the guy who comes in and takes care of high energy fractures that that typically are outside the realm of the average orthopedist. Sure. So it's, you know, it sounds fancy in our name to say traumatologist, but in the sense that it, I'm not the guy who's 
who's there at the bedside when they first come in uh, until I'm called, I guess would be a way to put it. So you're kind of the guy that puts people back together again. Not, yeah. I'm, not to I'm use the, the childhood rhyme, but yeah. I'm the, the, the puzzle guy. Yes. Yeah. To some right. Okay. Very cool. But at first, you know, it's sort of, and, that, and that's, it is important. I think that, that that highlights, your question highlights a very important aspect of, of medicine. And, and this is something that it, it's a team. You know, I, I kind of highlighted that I, I was the one piece of the puzzle, but it is a puzzle, right? There's a whole, you know, we, we, I, sometimes I think about in the operating room, we even talk about when we're, when we're discussing whatever we, we talk about in the OR, just the number, sheer number of people it takes to take care of one traumatic injury. So someone gets in a car crash and has, say, a femur fracture, and you think about the number of people involved in that from the police and the paramedics that respond to the people in the ER to the, to the janitors that clean up the trauma bay after they're done, to going to the floor, going to the ICU, the nursing teams that take care of the patients, then the operating room, it, all of the people that are involved in the operating room, everything from cleaning and preparing the equipment to, to, to cleaning up after we're done, to taking x-rays in the OR. It's just, there's, there's a massive spectrum of humans involved in taking care of, of, of patients. And so I, I'm a small piece of that. Uh, but you know, the, the important thing to, to think about, I think, for physicians and nurses is that their, their role is very, uh, very well circumscribed and only possible with the support of often hundreds of other people. Yeah. So how do they know um, whether to bring in a specialist like you or oh, just yeah. a general orthopedic surgeon? So I, I think that they're what they were looking at at the hospital, and this is sort of in the administration level, is just the number of patients that they were having to transfer out to other facilities. And so at, they, they, at some point, someone did the calculus to say, hey, we are transferring far too many people out. They come here to Portniff, they get stabilized, and no one's able to address the underlying problem, and they end up being being sent to either down to Salt Lake or to Idaho Falls or the transfer in the first place in is refused because the, either the paramedics know or the, the trauma doctors that are deciding whether to accept a transfer in are able to know that that fracture would not be able to be addressed by the team there. So I think that was the calculus behind it was this decision of, you know, where we've sent out this number of people and they started that search. It sounds like they were searching for a while uh, to find it because apparently we're kind of rare, uh, but they, you know, they, so they, but it worked out at the right time that we were looking for a job and they were looking for a person. So, so, so that's gotta be kind of exciting just on a personal level, right. That to kind of come into a new program and, and have some influence and be part of those decisions and working with the team to, to really figure out how to make it to, uh, to be the, uh, an excellent program. Yes, sir. Yeah, it is. This is something that, you know, the idea of coming in and, and creating a program, not from scratch because the, the orthopedic, there was orthopedic call and there were surgeons sure. performing surgery here, obviously in the trauma team, but just sort of designing how we would respond to high energy orthopedic trauma. And we're currently in the process of implementing a, a hip fracture protocol. Cause that's one of the most common traumas is, is folks falling and breaking their hip. And, and it's something that, you know, there, there's a lot of evidence coming out. Something we just recently implemented is we're, we're doing local anesthesia blocks when patients come to the ER now. And that's something that's been shown to dramatically decrease the amount of narcotic pain medication that patients need and increase their comfort and satisfaction in the both preoperative and postoperative timeframe with hip fractures. So it's sort of stuff like that that you get to implement and you get to see the results of it with these patients that do much better with their, with their preoperative and postoperative care. So it is satisfying. It's a lot of work, but it is satisfying. 
Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So you, you came from Florida yes, to Idaho. That's a completely different <laughs> environment to move in. You've been in July. You came in the mi- middle of, you know, lockdowns and yeah. isolations and all sorts of things. So uh, shifting maybe and, and not too much in the personal, but I'm just curious how that move and transition has gone in a very unusual yeah, it was an unusual time. And, you know, and, it's, and I think all of us are sort of dealing with this. You know, the, the, uh, I, I've been singularly impressed with how quickly we were able to get a vaccine and, and be able to start distributing it. And I think that's something for, as humans that we should be highly proud of that we've come to this point where and within a year we were able to, you know, identify a new, a new terrible virus, identify a vaccine and get vaccines. Now three candidates out there that we're able to be, to be giving. But at the time when we moved, of course, no one was vaccinated. And so right. we moved across the country, rented a, 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 a camper and we drove across the country with my then six month old and, uh, you know, and, and sort of stopped, you know, this, this was a very long cross country trip. I think it was six days. So we would drive a little bit and stop and drive a little bit and stop. And, you know, and we stopped at military bases along the way, cause I'm still in the military and the and so we would stop there to stay for that the campsites and you know try to be as socially distant as possible and even now my my wife and son are still in that non-vaccinated group and so we're still maintaining our distance so it's been a little rough not being able to necessarily feel like we're fully integrated into the community because it's so hard to do things so we get a lot of takeout food and we mm-hmm. uh, and we we spend a lot of time on the on facetime and such with family and uh, we we take hikes in the area and and we uh and, and, you know, we try to do what we can to be able to, to, to be in the community. But, yes, it's a hard time. I think it's a very hard time for all of us. It's just something where I've personally known personally two patients that have passed away from this virus. I've lost a professor, a former professor of mine in New York and a nurse friend of mine in New York that, that died from from this virus. So it's been a hard it's been a hard year for the country and the world, I think. So it's uh, I think we're starting to turn a corner, which makes me very happy. Just the idea of, of being able to get the vaccine myself. My mom just got her first dose of the vaccine back in Minnesota. You know, things are we're getting there, but it's been a, there's been a lot of loss and a lot of hard, hard hard stuff for a lot of people with sure. family members and businesses and you name it that have been affected with this. So well, and, yeah, it was, it was an interesting move. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. And and just, this isn't much, much of a question, but just maybe a comment, you know, we go back to your, your previous, previous conversation about trauma, right. And trauma right. can come in many different forms. And I think that uh, this last year has been uh, for a lot of people. Uh, traumatic. traumatic. Yes. Oh yeah. And that's and even, you know, just that, of course, the mental trauma and that also ties into when you do have physical trauma, that it is accompanied often by mental trauma because of the right. changes that happen in people's lives. And so it's a very there is a, a, a psychological aspect to being a, a surgeon that deals with with patients that have been injured in trauma, because a lot of time I'll spend just talking to people and kind of helping them understand you know, we, we don't always get full recovery after some of these kind of injuries and just helping right. people get to the idea that this is their new normal and, and how they're going to adjust to that. You know, and it's something that thankfully my time in the military has given me some really good insight into that because you see a lot of grievously injured young folks that, you know, you, you don't think about being grievously injured when you're 20 and 21. And, and this idea that these, these patients do go on and they do, you know, make something of their lives in a, in a way that they probably were not expecting to ever have to uh, right. have to adjust in, in that manner. And so that, that gives me some insight, I think, to helping patients, uh, on the civilian side that are that are injured in ways that they also were not expecting. Right on. 
So maybe um, going back to your conversation about trauma, um, what is maybe the most miraculous recovery that you've ever seen with somebody with a traumatic oh, a uh, injury? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it, there, there's a lot of people who've, who've made substantial recoveries that, I, that I've seen over the, over the years. I think that one here, which I think is an important one is, and I'll talk about this one because she's someone from the community and I'll try to be as general as possible. So it doesn't, it doesn't highlight, uh, you know, who she is, but this was a rollover accident, a very severe injury where the patient was ejected from the car and she had, uh, she had a severe pelvic fracture. In addition to that, she had both of her knees dislocated. And when your knees dislocate, that can that obviously destroys the ligaments that attach your femur down to your tibia, but it also can affect your blood vessels. And unfortunately, on one side of her, uh, it affected her blood vessels. So she had a very large series of wounds to that leg. In addition to the blood vessel itself had been occluded and would no, so there was no blood flow down to her foot. So she came initially to an outside hospital and then was immediately transferred to us when they realized that this was a, a severe case. She came in and our vascular surgeon at, at Portneuf was able to, what we call revascularize, was able to bridge over that artery injury and get blood flow back to her foot. One of our other orthopedic surgeons was able to put what's called an external fixator on, which is a pins and bars that hold the leg in place. And then we started a very long process of reconstruction. So the second day in the hospital, I fixed her pelvis. And then we proceeded, I think we did 13 or 14 surgeries to her right leg to wash everything out and get the uh, and get the tissues closed, and that included a lot of vacuum dressing. She all a very long process. The poor woman was in the hospital for about two months. During the course of that, another one of our orthopedic surgeons took care of the ligaments on her left knee. That's something that I don't do, and so that's kind of you know, can we talk about tying in where I fit in? That we have the other folks in the community that that we we use for doing the, the stuff that I don't do, you know, it's just no, no one does everything. And so that's sort of, and so, you know, another surgeon took care of her, her left knee and then going forward, that same surgeon eventually was able to do her ligaments to her right knee and has been working on her range of motion. She is walking, she has both legs, she's back to her family, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, she easily could have lost her leg or very well could have lost her life. And so that, you know, that's, that's just someone here recently uh, that I think is, you know, someone to highlight. There have been many others, but that would be the one that uh, that sticks in my mind most recently. So I have a quick question. I mean, uh, with along with the trauma that the patient is dealing with, um, you know, with the injury, um, how have you noticed any difference in the fact that because of COVID, they can't have their family support system all visit them in the hospital? Yes. Um, I mean, I, I know at some point they couldn't have anyone and then it was very limited afterwards. Yes. So they couldn't have that family support. So, yeah, right now, I think we're at one visitor, one designated visitor, and that's only one, you know, one person that can, they can't change that person during the course of the hospitalization. And it's, it it's, it highlights, I think, the, 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 the difficult line that all of us as a society and a world, politicians, everyone, physicians have had to try to thread this needle between helping reduce the spread of a virus that certainly has a predilection for a subgroup of people that it makes very sick and, and, and can kill versus the normal human interactions, uh, the, the keeping the businesses open, the, the, you know, this, this, 
uh, I think it's, in, you know, we haven't dealt with this since 1917 or 1918, where we've had the, you know, these kind of this, this global pandemic that's been, that's affected every part of our lives. And so I've seen patients struggle with, with this lack of, of, of support, this, you know, and to some extent, my, my, myself and, and other folks on our team have, have, have found ourselves spending a little bit more time sometimes with these patients, you know, just sitting down. And I always try to come into a room and just sit and, you know, to try to make it look like I'm not trying to run out of there because I have to be somewhere else, even though I usually do. But just this idea that, you, you know, you want to, to convey some humanity to this because it's, it's, this has been hard on everyone. And so I, I was very happy to see that we're now, the numbers are coming down dramatically in Bannock County. We're starting, you know, the, the vaccinations, the whole group and the folks that have been working on vaccinations have been doing a great job. And, and I think we're starting to see Hopefully, we're starting to see a, 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 a you know we're turning the corner on this and, and letting people have visitors again is a big big step. But yeah, that's a that is a it's been a rough year. Yeah, it has. You know, uh, Dr. Halloran, we we had the timer go off, but uh, I just want to add this little piece, and and it's kind of interesting uh, for me sitting over here is. Um, you know, earlier we talked with Dr. Uh, Jerry Bailey and Heather McGee, uh, McGeehan with the uh, stroke program there at Portniff. And I shared on that podcast how my father had recently had a stroke stroke, and and now he's down in Arizona golfing, you know, and just uh, <laughs> Good for that. Him. Right. Right. That yeah. wonderful that wonderful um, process. And and your comment, I. About oh, about uh, six, five, six years ago, I was in a motorcycle accident and had to do the whole thing. And I, you were yeah. saying that whole thing, you know, the ambulance drivers, the police, the nurses, mm-hmm. and and all that piece. And and uh, fortunately for my my injuries, um, I, I was able. Well, I don't. I was able to get treated in outpatient. Yeah. Um, you know, orthopedic surgeon, not didn't have to stay in the hospital for two months. But uh, sure. I got to tell you, just from from my personal experience, I, I am very confident or feel very good to know that there are people like you, at, at, not just here at Portniff, but across the country who are working really hard to make sure guys like me can still get up and walk around. So. Yeah, yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Is, that, is, that. That is what drives us, is seeing <laughs> people do well. So Right. I appreciate it's, that. Yeah. Well, um, we're excited to have you uh, here in, in, at Portniff, and I'm excited for the work that you're doing in the program. And um, one question, we'll have to have you back on, yes, um, because one of the questions I was going to ask is, when, when, is, when do you look at the program that you're putting together and make it a success? So I think, you know, I mean, when do you call it a success? So I, we don't have time to get into that, but I thought we'll have you back on the show yeah. and maybe in a year and I'll say, okay, year I, later, are you a success? You know, I, and I think that that I'm, I, my, one of my successes, I think would be having partners. I think there's, that's going to be you know, kind of having, <laughs> having, bringing in some people that can, you know, can help. I think yes. that's, you know, there you go. I got someone PA else here. Are, are suffering pretty, pretty severely. We're working pretty hard and we're saying, Hey, maybe this is time to start. So I think, I think that's one of, you know, when we get to the point where we can bring people on board, uh, to, to have additional hands on deck, I think that will definitely be a mark of success. And then just looking at the metrics, you know, of, of how yeah. patients are doing. So Excellent. we'll, we'll get there, but yeah, that'd be a great thing to talk about. Absolutely. Next well, year, unfortunately at this time I will be in Afghanistan. So we'll have to make that, uh, oh. we'll, ha- we'll have to make that a, uh, a, yeah, I could, I could think I can zoom from there depending on how our internet. <laughs> yeah, that might be cool. Yeah. That might be cool. Will you show us some cool stuff? Yeah, yeah, we can. We can yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, uh, we do want to remind everyone that uh, um, this is also just a taste of, prob- of what they'll be getting at the Emergency Medicine Conference. 
Um, and so please be sure to uh, check out our website at cetrain.isu.edu um, and just do the search bar type in emergency medicine conference um, and be sure to check out more information and, and to hear more information um, just like what you've heard today. Um, also, um, if you have any questions or want to talk to us, uh, 208-272-282. <laughs> I knew I missed it. Well, you got it. Two yeah, o- yes, 208-282-3372. See, I, I always, I've only done 100 of these shows. I just want you to know that. I've you only had done a good, 100. You had a good streak going there. I think in five episodes, you got it right. Man, one of these days. And uh, with that being said, too, Ray Lynn, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you yes. for... Um, kind of leading the discussion on this. I really do appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Halloran, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you you for having me on. Right on. Look forward to having you at the emergency medicine. Absolutely. See you guys guys in May. All right. I'll be there. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. 